Welcome to the 222 Paranormal Podcast, starring your host, Joe. Yeah. The greatness. The greatness. Short Rich. And then me. And Jen. Jen Short Rich. Hi, Joe. Morning. When's the last time you um, jumped in a lake? Yesterday. Was it cold? It wasn't bad. Did no. a turtle bite it your butt? It was crisp. I saw the biggest turtle <gasps> in oh my God. the lake <laughs> I've ever seen. You know, I go in... Whitmore Lake. Yeah. And we know there's turtles in there, but this thing, it had to have been two to three foot across. It was huge. I've never seen one that big in the lake. And it was right by the dock. Lake monster. When I got there, Dana was already out on her boat. Mm -hmm. So I pulled up and unloaded all the ice and the chips. Oh, yes, chips. And the drinks. And I carried them down to where her boat sits because I could see her coming. So I'm like, okay, I'm just going to load everything. And as I'm walking on the dock, I look down, and this turtle was huge. I told you there's lake monsters in Winmore Lake. This is really interesting. Joe and I, every year, we go up to Michigan Paracon. Yes, which we are this year. Come on up and join us. Yes. And it's in Sault Ste. Marie, which is at the very top of Michigan, like the upper part of Michigan. And I always can never, ever, ever remember what lake it is yeah, on I know. <laughs> and it's lake superior and when we go down to saint ignace it's lake huron yeah did you know you can fit four of the great lakes inside lake superior no i did not that's how big it is it's a massive huge huge and the reason why we're talking about lakes and that is this week we have a good friend of ours we interviewed Chetan Noir, and she is a cryptozoologist, author, and also the owner of Squatch and GQ magazine. Yeah, so she does a lot of um, presentations in and around about the Great Lakes, um, cryptids specifically in, you know, our backyard, mm -hmm. <laughs> which is Lake Erie, Lake Huron, Lake Michigan, Lake Ontario, and Lake Superior. Joe, how many islands, if you had to guess, are mm. in the Great Lakes? Um, I know I've been on two, <laughs> so there's at least two. Um, I'm thinking probably 30 or 40. There's 35,000 no islands. No way. Yep. What? Where? <laughs> They're peppered are in they there. Are they in the water? <laughs> <laughs> They're in the water. Um what do you think the biggest sturgeon weighs that... F okay, so the sturgeon is the biggest fish yeah. in the Great Lakes. And they are huge. And they live forever. Yeah. Um, and they move slowly. Biggest one? Mm -hmm. You're talking length or, or weight? Pounds. Pounds. I would say 35 40 pounds 200 pounds <laughs> can you imagine didn't you see these kind of things when you're out jet skiing under the bridge Mackinac bridge the only thing i the saw mighty mac when i jet skied under the Mackinac, i was riding along and there was this big rock mm -hmm. and i'm like oh crap so i slowed down come to find out it's like 20 feet below the water <gasps> it was that clear it's, it is that clear up there wow next time we go up i'm taking my scuba gear yeah why not mm -hmm. although it's so freaking cold it is those lakes are 
I mean, there are some beaches. Like if you go to Mackinac Island, there's beautiful sandy beaches. Well, along Route 2 also, when you get into St. Ignace, you can eat. And St. Ignace has a little beach. Mm -hmm. I don't think people, well, no, I take that back. Down right as you get off the expressway, there's a public beach. Oh, okay. But if you go the other way, away from St. Ignace, Mm -hmm. on the other lake, I don't know which one that is. (laughs) Um, Lake Michigan. Okay. When you go on the Lake Michigan side, there's that whole area right there has got beautiful beaches. But the water is crystal clear. Yeah. Not like Lake Erie. Lake Erie is dirty. Uh-huh. Um, you can, like, just see. Like, it's amazing, mm-hmm. but it is cold. Yeah. Like, we got in, like, it was a hot summer day. It was, like, you know, August, and it was sweltering, and we got in that water. It was, like, an ice bath. <laughs> I'm like, oh, it's cold. It's cold. You couldn't be in there very long. No. You get hypothermia. No. And and Shatan mentions that in the interview, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, it's just um, interesting that there's so much um, mystery and lore around mm-hmm. the Great Lakes from everything from shipwrecks to cryptids to, um, you know, Bigfoot sightings, UFO sightings. You know, are they just attracted to the... A fresh water. I think so. The limestone, the salt. Mm-hmm. It's all. And it's not salt water. No, it's, it's salt mines underneath. Yeah. Which at one time, the great where the Great Lakes are now, I should say, was a giant ocean that had a salty mm-hmm. water that actually deposited miles thick layers of salt. Now... Think about that. And for something to deposit that much salt on yeah. the, the bottom and end up being salt mines, it's just unbelievable. It's crazy. You know, I've known Shatan for years. She used to come to the 60, 60 Second Crush shows. <laughs> and she and it was funny because I've always known her through music mm-hmm. and dance. Yeah. And the one day, I forget which conference it was but we're going along and she's there i'm like what are you doing here and she started telling me and she's i never knew before that that she was into cryptozoology Mm -hmm. so much yeah and the wealth of knowledge that she has i mean i know that when she was doing her presentation at the the one that i was at i mean i've seen her presentation a few times but the one that i was at she came up on the stage she introduced herself, you know, and everything. And she's like, okay, what do you want me to talk about? She let the audience decide yeah, okay. what topic she was going to talk about. And she just ran with it. And she, she's a wealth of knowledge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so great. So, guys, here's the interview. And we'll catch up with you on the backside. All right. And with us today on the 222 Paranormal Podcast, we have Shatan Noir, cryptozoologist, author, and owner of Squatch GQ Magazine. Woohoo, she got it! Yeah! yeah. I forget the other ones. <laughs> it's okay, there's there's many of them. Yes, there is. <laughs> so we wanted to catch up with you and see what's new and what's exciting and talk about a little bit of um, local cryptids. Sure. Since it's summer and everybody's out in the water. Yeah. And, you know, everybody wants to know what was nibbling at their feet. So <laughs> Yes. Exactly. <laughs> Something touched me. I know. It's like Every it's time I get in a lake, I'm like that. Just like, ah. It's not seaweed. 
Seaweed doesn't run its hand up and down your leg. <laughs> that's true. We're trying to pull you no, under the that's, water. That's the great Manitou Nibid Nibis. Yes. The, the merman of, of, <laughs> the merman. Lake, of Lake Superior. So, it's, you know, for everybody, for our listeners, you know, we live near the Great Lakes. There's five Great Lakes, correct? Yes. Okay. I've learned that in school. <laughs> um, do every one of the Great Lakes have an urban legend or a cryptid or a lake monster attached to it? You betcha. Oh, let's talk about them. So Lake Huron mm-hmm. has sea serpents mostly. Mm-hmm. Lake Ontario has a lot of the amalgamations, which are mostly Native American legends. It's bits and pieces of different animals combined into one. So you have creatures like um, Gassendia, Onair, Carcagna that are part of their storytelling traditions. Okay. But European settlers, fur traders, also witness these. So that kind of gives credibility to the existence of these animals. Um, Lake Michigan has giant turtles. That's the biggest report that we get out of. Lake Michigan. Um, Lake Erie has a variety of different interesting things from a plesiosaur type creature, uh, Bessie, to a sea hag, to um, giant fish reports. Um, Lake Superior has the great Manitou Nibbidnibbis, the, the merman, and no, he looks nothing like Jason Momoa. So just oh damn, I was about to hate, go. Hate to disappoint you, but yeah, you ain't gonna see that swimming around the Lake Me. Superior. Um, plesiosaur type creatures, but it also is the home of the great underwater panther in a bishu. That is the the gatekeeper of the underwater nether world. So okay. and it would and it would be the Thunderbird's job to control the great um, underwater panther Anabishu. Um, also there are sea serpents, there's a turtle like creature, there's giant sturgeon legends, um, all attributed to Lake Superior. And with it being the biggest of the Great Lakes that we have, um, certainly I would I would expect it to have more um, of the creatures in there. Would those creatures be warm-blooded or cold-blooded? Um, I don't know. So it's, it's so cold in those lakes. I mean, you're, ridiculously. Your most of your lake monsters are theoretically reptilian-based. Okay. So. Things like plesiosaurs and mosasaurs are swimming marine reptiles. So, of course, they would be cold-blooded. And while our Great Lakes do get very, very cold, you have to remember that they were a worldwide species. And they lived in all different temperatures, waters, from the Arctic to the Tropic. Um, Depends on what they were specialized in hunting and the locations that they lived in. Um, So... Here in the Great Lakes, everybody's like, oh, you know, every once in a while there will be a report of sharks, you know, in mm-hmm. the Great Lakes. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to dispel that right now because back in the 1950s, the Mississippi River and the St. Lawrence Causeway, they put in different locks and dams to keep the Asian carp populations yeah. in check. So with those gates if a, and dams, if a Asian carp can't swim through them and they get quite large, then a shark is not going to get through them. 
Not to mention there's only one shark species that could probably live in the freshwater, yeah. and that would be the bull shark. But bull sharks are a tropical shark. Mm. They would not last long in our Great Lakes because unless it's a nice hot August day, yeah. You don't go into any of the Great Lakes past your knees because it's cold. Yes. It yeah. is they shock your warm. body yes. cold. <laughs> um, we learned that lesson up in yeah. <laughs> so peninsula. <laughs> it's like, you know, I'm a rock hounder and I love going, you know, yeah. along the beaches collecting. And I'm like, I'll go up to my ankles in that water to collect, you know, rocks. But anything after that, it's like, yeah, no. Yeah. Because you have to worry about, like, the cold water and the riptides and all that. Um, never trust the lakes. Never turn your back to them because you never know mm-hmm. what that next wave is going to do. I was really, you know, because, like, until my adult years, I've never gone up in Michigan. I cannot believe how clear up around, like, Mackinac, how clear and, like, turquoise blue the water is. It's just amazing. Yes. I was shocked. I really. Was. I mean, it's it's beautiful to look at. I mean, yeah. if you go if you go along um, the Michigan shoreline in like the Traverse City area, yeah. they've got a lot of beautiful um, wineries mm-hmm. and chateaus up in that area, where you can sit and you can just look out across the lakes. And a lot of people are like, you know, they compare it to being, you know, on the the ocean coastline, yeah. Yeah. and you know. And it's like a tropical yes. area. Yeah. Because you get to sit and look out on the water, and the water is beautiful from a distance. Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, that's what people have to appreciate is our Great Lakes are unlike any other bodies of water in the world in that they are so big that they are inland seas. Yeah. And they have yeah. a spirit and mm-hmm. a manner of them. That is unpredictable, and you know, to this day, you still can't predict what the lakes are going to do. Yeah. Sure. I mean, look at the amount of shipwrecks. Some of the it's, most giant freighters in the world have oh, yeah. gone down in these lakes. Yeah, and and when you look at you know these five bodies of water, and you take into comprehension that between on the bottom of these lakes. There is resting between six thousand and ten thousand mm-hmm. shipwrecks, yeah. Yeah. and we're talking from little personal, mm-hmm. you know, motorcraft, yeah. all the way up to the Lakers, like the Edmund Fitzgerald, right. who, at its time of sailing, was considered one of the biggest yep. on the lake, and in today's standards, it's tiny. Yeah, yeah. When we're, you're talking freighters that are. A thousand feet or more. Yeah. I mean, there's yachts. There are yachts that sail around the Great Lakes that are over a thousand feet. Wow. Yeah. You know, when people talk about the um, Bermuda Triangle and all the ships that gone down and all that, it's nothing compared to the amount of ships that sank in the Great Lakes. And especially when you also consider that each one of the Great Lakes has a Devil's Triangle. Yeah. And Lake Superior actually has two. Mm-hmm. Wow. Lake Erie actually has a quad angle because it has such a huge field of shipwrecks that they call it the quad angle. Okay. And the scary thing about Lake Erie is that that's our smallest of the Great Lakes. Yes. It is. Our, our shallowest of yeah. the Great Lakes. Mm-hmm. And yet it has probably more shipwrecks resting on its bottom than uh, 
Lake Superior or um, any of the other lakes in the in the United States combined. Yeah. And what's interesting about Lake Erie is, just from our perspective, because we live on it. I know. It's so dirty. <laughs> yes. It's dirty. You can't see. It's not clear like the other lakes. No. And it's very, very choppy. Yep. And people don't think that that like you know because it's a lake and it's like eerie that it would just be like calm i mean it can get humongous waves like you could go out and it's flat Mm -hmm. and two hours later Mm -hmm. you're getting four to six foot waves right and it's scary and you know and that just you know attests to the unpredictability of the great lakes and one of the like one of the um ship facts that I like to throw out there when I'm doing my Lake Monster presentation is somewhere on the bottom of Lake Erie is resting the Marquette Bessemer Number 2, a ship that is as long as a football field, okay. two stories high, and all metal. And it's still missing to this day. That's incredible. So Lake Erie at its deepest point is 500 feet. That's out by the Cleveland area, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So somewhere on the bottom of Lake Erie yeah. is this huge, humongous ship, and they don't know where she is. So oh, that's cool. if if we can't find a ship of that size in, in, in you know, mm-hmm. uh, Relatively um, expanse, shallow water. Then what makes you think you're going to find a lake monster? Yeah, right? you know, are there which is moving all the time? Right, right. right. Are there? Um, I I don't know. Are there like caverns and caves underneath the water that they would be maybe lurking or hiding in? It is a or possi- It is or a, something. It is a possibility. The only problem is, even though we have advances in technology with like the lidar and and stuff like that. That can't contend with the current problem we have in the Great Lakes, and that is the zebra mussels. So when they first started showing up in our waters, it wasn't so bad. But now it's to the point where well-documented wrecks, shipwrecks, are being obscured because there is a three-foot-thick cloud of zebra mussel debris Mm -hmm. That's just blanketing the bottoms of most of the lakes. And when you're walking along the shorelines yeah. of the Great Lakes and you see what looks like um, uh, toilet paper rolling around in the, in the, the surf, uh-huh. that's not toilet paper. That's actually the remains of zebra mussels. Oh, I didn't oh, know that. Uh-huh. And so I've talked to different divers, recreational divers, um, technical divers, and you know they're like, it's, it's almost too gross to go down now because... In order to find the wrecks, we're having to stick our arms through this cloud oh. of zebra mussel okay. debris and just so that we can feel around and see if we're even close to the wreck. Yeah. And sticking your arm in zebra mussels, the shells alone can cut up the suits or cut up your gloves, yep. arms, whatever. And when you were saying that, I was thinking you were going to talk about when you go to a lot of these um, shores. Mm-hmm. You'll see mounds that almost look like sand, but it's all shells. Yep. And they're thick. So you can imagine what the bottom actually looks oh, like. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they, they are very prolific here in the Great Lakes. And unfortunately, at this point in time, there's mm-hmm. no way to eradicate them. Yeah. There's no species that we can introduce that will 
eat them up and, you know, get rid of them. Mm-hmm. And there's no way to kill the ones that are breeding, producing more of them that are already well established in our, in our you know, Great Lakes mm-hmm. ecosystems. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we've tried so many different things because they're so invasive that they're just taking over. Right. You know, and now, has there been any legends of ships being pulled down or anything by these sea monsters in the Great Lakes, or is that more of like the ocean thing? So the problem with anything like that is, one, you have to have a survivor yeah. who yeah. makes it back to shore or civilization and mm-hmm. makes the report. Yeah. And unfortunately, usually when a ship goes down in the Great Lakes, it takes all hands. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in today's day and age with advances in the way that lifeboats are built, um, personal life, you know, jackets and stuff like that, they probably have a better chance of surviving. But in the past, even though your ships would have a lifeboat, they were really like kind of looking at a glass of water during a, you know, as, a, as the buildings burning, burning up yeah. around you. Yeah. It was a symbol of, of hope and rescue, but really they, they were not going to do you any good. If anything, they would probably lead to your death because most lifeboats were very prone to capsizing. And most of the, the sailors, most of the crew were wearing wool. So once, oh, yeah. once you are capsized, mm-hmm. once you are cold and wet and wearing heavy, wet wool clothing, your chances go down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So going back to what you, mm-hmm. you asked, um, there is one report that they think might have been a lake monster attack on a, on a boat, and that is the, the story of the Rosabelle, and that's in Lake Michigan. Um, the only problem is the Rosabelle had sank okay. at one point. She was scuttled, was raised back up, repaired, sent out again, and then they think that she was either scuttled for a second time on purpose yeah. or something collided with it. What we do know is all the crew, all the passengers were gone, hmm. wow. missing, and nobody ever came forward to report that they had been shipwrecked on the Roosevelt. Okay. And so it's really hard when you, if you don't have any survivors to mm-hmm. know whether it was a act of nature, if it was a um, lake monster, yeah, you know, yeah. if it was, you know, human error. Um, certainly all three of those can apply. Sure. Um, yeah. But, you know, if you don't have that human to make the report, then you don't have much to, you know. Sort of like the dog man stories. They say if you see a dog man, you'll, you won't be able to talk about it because you won't survive. Right. You know. Unless you're in your car. Yeah. And you happen to be driving, you know, nice and fast and you just see it on the side of the road. Um, you know, if you're, if you're going to try to outrun a dog man, you're not going to get very far. No. Wow. <laughs> um, Let's talk a bit, little bit about the, the legend of the turtles. Yes. Um, where did that come about from? So in Lake Michigan mm-hmm. with the giant turtles, there is the Stearns Bayou monster. Mm-hmm. And then there's the Lake Leelanau, um turtle. Both in their descriptions are very, very different. So mm-hmm. the Stearns Bayou monster, they described as being bioluminescent and 
being 15 feet long. That's not including the tail. Yeah. So a turtle that is pretty much bigger than what your modern-day Fort Escape is. Mm -hmm. Okay. But the one distinctive factor was it was bioluminescent, meaning that as it swam through the water, they could see it glowing. Yeah. And then the Lake Leelanau turtle was a turtle that was bigger than a rowboat and had vegetation growing up off of its shell Mm -hmm. and back. Now, we know that from snapping turtles, Mm -hmm. they will actually get a nice four-inch cap of mud and, Mm -hmm. you know, um, vegetation on the top of their shells because that helps them blend in Mm -hmm. and makes it harder for something to, you know, see them, Mm -hmm. capture them, eat them. So... We don't really know what the two different species were or why one's bioluminescent and why one is has saplings growing off the top of its, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. But those are the, the, the historical, you know, uh, eyewitness reports uh-huh. that go along with these two stories. You know, and it's very possible because they have found giant shells mm-hmm. of prehistoric. And, you know, oh, yeah, Archelon, Archelon was... Um, the largest um, aquatic turtle yeah. and was 15 feet long from the tip of his nose to the tip of his tail and then 13 feet from flipper tip mm-hmm. to flipper tip. Um, very huge. Yeah. Um, a modern day leatherback turtle would look like a painter turtle compared to a wow. Archelon. Mm-hmm. Can, you imagine, can you even imagine like what these things would have looked like back then? I mean like a dinner, t- a dinner table with flippers, you yeah. know. Right? Like, how does that even exist? And, and the, you know, because turtles are reptilian and, you know, the aquatic species, um, within fish, within reptiles, within some amphibians, we have what's called indeterminate growth. And that means that as long as they have the space, the food, mm-hmm. and the resources, they will continue growing throughout their life. Mm. And that's why we see, you know alligators and crocodiles in the wild reaching such huge you know there's always that bigger one out there that everybody's looking for same with anaconda same you know with um turtles sturgeon hogzilla yes (laughs) you know as as long as the the species has you know room Mm -hmm. to to grow they will yeah Mm -hmm. which is absolutely frightening because, I mean, if you look at what they're capturing in the Everglades, these pythons are like 30, 40 feet long. Yeah. yeah and like Burmese. a tree trunk around. Yeah. Like, can you imagine just waking up one day and like, there's a giant python in yep. my backyard. Same thing like you go out to, say, lake one of the lakes here in Michigan. What's tickling my foot, right? <laughs> what is biting me? <laughs> one time we saw a turtle. We were at... Um, one of the lakes, and a turtle like poked his head out, you know, of the water. It scared the crab. <laughs> I was like, I'm getting in the boat. I'm getting in the boat. <laughs> well, especially you know, so a a normal sized painter turtle has a head and mouth about the size of your thumb. Yeah, and can deliver quite the bite. Yeah, I I, I used to um, 
keep turtles mm -hmm. and got, you know, bit by, you know, one of my bigger painters on one occasion. And that really hurt. Now, that's, that's a turtle with a, a mouth the size of your thumb. Now imagine a turtle that has a head the size of a watermelon. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, my gosh. And it decides to bite you. Mm -hmm. It's oh. going to break a bone and probably take something oh, with yeah. it. Right? You know? Oh, yeah. Right? I mean, a regular snapping turtle will do that. Oh, yeah. And yeah. they're relatively small compared to that. Right. There again, they grow as big as the environment mm -hmm. will let them. We had a friend who has a snapping turtle, and um, he lived here in Michigan, but then moved away to a place where it's not legal to have one. <laughs> but, you know, the bigger the case, the bigger it got. Yep. And it's like got to the point where it's like, how do you maintain that, right? You like can't, mm -hmm. you can't let it go in the wild because you're in an unnatural environment for it. Right. So you basically got to put it in your swimming pool <laughs> at this point. <laughs> it's like, hold on, ah! I want to take a shower, but I got to move the turtle out. Right, exactly. Has there been any recent sightings of cryptids in the lakes? In the, as far as lake monsters yeah. are concerned? Mm -hmm. um, not that I have received. Okay. But in the 19... I believe it was the 1970s, we had sea serpent reports up in the Goddard, Michigan area oh. along the Straits of Mackinac. Mm. Um, and that was actually investigated by the police. And they went out to investigate and verified that, yes, indeed, people were see, you know, seeing what they claimed. And that was sea serpents frolicking in the water. And mm. they, they tried to get close to them in a boat, but were never, uh, never able to get more than like 20 feet from them. So, okay. um, that's about the most recent report that I have gotten, mm -hmm. um, other than, you know, people claiming to see, um, like, a plesiosaur-type creature or, you know, things like that. Mm -hmm. So, And what's your, what's your thought on those? Do you, do you feel like there may be one or two just left over so from I, the Ice Age? And you know, that, that's why I love my lake monsters so much, because mm -hmm. they, are, they really are the Schrodinger cats of mm -hmm. the cryptic world, because you can't prove that they're there but you can't disprove that exactly. they're there because our great lakes will never be drained to the point where you can be like ha i can see the bottom ain't no you know sea serpent in there yeah yeah people don't realize how deep they really are yeah. right right i mean it would it would take something catastrophic to drain our great lakes and if that's the case then humans aren't going to be around right. anyways yeah so yeah, for sure. You know, that's, that's a world-changing, you know, catastrophe. You know, sounds like a Hollywood movie. Yeah. yeah. And people say, you know, it's, it's the impossible. The great volcano of Lake Superior. Yeah. People say it's impossible for them to live that long enough, but how do we know? Right. How do we know? Right. Because, we because we, know, we now know with a modern-day species that's living in our world in this current time right now, the Greenland shark yes. can get up to 400 years old. Yeah. And that's just yeah. a, a estimate. They might actually get older than that. Yeah, it's an estimate. Yeah. By them looking at the shark and going, yeah, it looks 400. Who yeah. knows? There might and be, because these sharks live mm -hmm. at the very coldest depths right? that they can get to. The, usually the colder the depths, the bigger the species. Wow. So... There's possibly bigger ones than they've ever documented down there. And we don't, you know, it's just one of those things that we do not know. And they can guess, they can make guesstimates on it, mm -hmm. but 
they will never really know because in the waters that those live in, yes, they do have caves. They do have, you know, different, um, like, you know, shelf and trenches yeah. and stuff like that. So the possibility of them going undetected is, is huge. You know, and being so old, we know that sharks have to keep moving to breathe. Right. But being so old, how do we know that they haven't adapted themselves to be able to suck in that water and breathe? Right. Where they could just sit on the ground or on the bottom of the ocean for a long time mm-hmm. and never move. And then every once in a while just go up and move around and eat mm-hmm. and whatever. Their metabolism could be so slow they could live for even like plesiosaurs and all that could live for thousands of years. We don't know. Right. You know, we, we talked about the coelacanth. Everybody said that was extinct. Millions ago, years ago, that went extinct. And then they find them. Right, right. You know. So, so you, you know, you, you can never say something is completely gone, mm-hmm. something is completely, you know, extinct, gone from Earth, because you never know what chain of events will lead to that species Mm-hmm. being brought back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whether it's a undocumented like population of them or it's two similar species mm-hmm. interbreeding and producing that species yeah. again. Mm-hmm. You know, you can never discount it and say, oh, that can never happen. Mm-hmm. Because once you do that, you've really limited your ability to understand and you know Accept. take stock of yeah. what is possible yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean with the amount of changes our earth's gone through for the 4.5 billion years I mean we could have had multiple um, in- incantations of different types of Oh, yeah. I mean, like, how long have humans been here? Like 150,000 years? Yeah. That's a blip yep. in the four yep. point billion. Oh, yeah. There's yeah. been. Our Earth could have had multiple There's been types of. That we know of mass extinctions where yeah. almost 99% of the stuff has been wiped off the Earth, and some of the mass extinctions have wiped everything off and it started over. Right. So, you know, how do we know that the. Let's take a plesiosaur, for example. How do we know that one of them or a pair were not frozen in the bottom of the ocean and they were like har- hibernated for years because they were frozen and then they came back out? I, I want to say back to the life. The climate warmed up. And yeah. They, right. You know. Because we know of species that Hibernate. have hibernated for thousands of years in ice. When the ice thawed out, they came back to life. You know, tardigrades are a good example. Even yeah. though those are microscopic, it's still a living thing that can sit for thousands of years mm-hmm. dormant and then come back to life right yeah you know, I mean, so anything's that could be. possible but what's interesting is because the great lakes are so deep and so mysterious mm-hmm. and so um tied to legends and lores and you know shipwrecks it just gives it that extra special um what's the word i want for it mystery yeah, and yeah. just you know the, and that's yeah. that's point, one of the reasons I why don't, i don't want the mystery to go away no and and so i i teach a course on the paranormal history of the great lakes 
And it's so fascinating, just all the different aspects. You know, yes, we've got the, sh the, the shipwrecks, but we have the Devil's Triangles, we have UFOs, we have pirate history, we have the Lake Monster Reports, we have ghost ships, we have hoodoo ships, you know, haunted lighthouses. Um, and then there's just, you know, the rich tapestry of the history, mm -hmm. the maritime history of, you know, people who went above and beyond to save lives or to take lives. And, yeah. you know, just such interesting different aspects of, you know, the history of the Great Lakes that I, I thoroughly enjoy researching it mm -hmm. and teaching about it and talking about it. And, yeah. um, it's something that, you know, I, I take good, you know, uh, a lot of pride into. So yeah. um, definitely one of my favorite topics to talk mm -hmm. about yeah. is our, our, you know, our interesting history with the Great Lakes. Yeah. And this area, especially Michigan, Indiana, Ohio, is just like a, just a hotbed. Yes. For all types of activity. You just don't have cryptids. You have ghosts. You have um, elementals. Yes. You have the paranormal. Yep. You have UFO. Oh, <laughs> you yes. Yep. And it, Bigfoot. It all Don't forget Bigfoot. It yep. does. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, with the paranormal aspect of it, you had so many different Native Americans that lived here for centuries. Mm -hmm. And the beliefs that they had with the spirits and the earth and, you know, all the elemental type elements, I guess. Their energy is still there. And you put on top of that, you have the energy of people drowning, the energy of fighting, the energy of mm -hmm. the energy of lake monsters. You know, you get all that intertwined. It's a hotbed for paranormal activity. Yeah, it, it, it is. And, you know, people just think, oh, well, you know, Michigan, it, it's the Motor City, and the Motor City mm -hmm. has been there since, you know, Cadillac, you know, landed. It's like, no. <laughs> no, no. There, there was, back. there was a whole nother, you know, yeah. set of humans living here, the Native Americans and the the Manitous and the spirits that they dealt with before the uh, Jesuit priests showed up and were like, uh, 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 you can't do that. And you know, it was yeah. like, this is why we have the Nain Rouge, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Right. Well, if anybody wanted to find out more about your classes or your magazine or all the other things that you have going, where would they get a hold of you at? So um, you can find out information on what classes I'm teaching each week or mm -hmm. where I'm presenting or what events I'm doing on my Facebook page. If you um, just look up Shatan Noir, S-H-E-T-A-N-N-O-I-R. And if you're interested in the magazines, which is Squatch DQ Magazine, mm -hmm. Cryptozoology Digest, Into the Liminal Abyss Paranormal Magazine, Dinosaurian Prehistoric Creatures, and Rockhound and Prospector Magazine, if you go on Amazon and you just type in Squatch GQ Magazine, it will bring up all the magazines and books that I currently have and also all of the um, field uh, journals that I have. Um, so just... Uh, check those out and, uh, you know, 
Yes. There's lots of them on there. Yes, for sure. There's a lot of information. So. And you do a lot of speaking, so mm-hmm. get oh, yes. on there and yep. find out yep. where you're going to be at because just like this interview is awesome and the presentations that you give are awesome. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And thank you, you guys will learn a lot for yes. sure. We Every time <laughs> we listen, we hear something new and a new and exciting um you know, cryptid story or legend or lore or something. Definitely all paranormal. Though. Yeah. All right. Thank you for stopping by. Oh, you are welcome. Yes. Thank you. Always nice to catch up. It is. Yeah. And, you know, it's um, summer. So Joe and I are really heading out to all these conferences and we have a lot of different interviews lined up for you guys. We have some um, really interesting interviews coming up. Yeah. So you guys have to stay tuned because, you know, we always like to bring you fresh and new topics. So if there is a topic that you want us to explore or you have a really good ghost, Bigfoot or alien story you want to share with us, DM us. Try to get you on the show. Yeah. If you want to get on the show, let us know. And stay tuned next week. We have an awesome interview. Not not saying that Shatan's wasn't awesome, but our next awesome interview is with Nicole. She is an author, and she's the author of Haunted Detroit. Yes. Oh, my gosh. So wait for this. We've been trying to get Nicole on for a long time. (laughs) A long time. We see her at all the shows, and we're like, hey, you want to get on? And she's like, yeah, let's do it. And we end up never doing it. She's so busy, though. Like, Mm -hmm. every conference, people are just lined up to buy her books because, hey, who wouldn't want to hear about some Haunted Detroit? Yeah. (laughs) So stay tuned for that next week. Yes. So please. Do this for a favor for me. Wherever you're listening to the show right now, please hit subscribe if you haven't done so yet. Please leave us a five-star rating and review. We'd really appreciate that. It means a lot to us, and it helps us out. And also, in the show notes of this show, I will put a link to our T-shirts that we have on sale. Right now, they're up on Etsy, but we're going to get them on our website. I was working on it, and I screwed something up, so I have to figure out the website so go to the link that's in the show notes click on that check out our t-shirts you'll love them the new logo it's awesome yeah thanks guys and we will talk to you next week have a wonderful week stay tuned for haunted detroit yeah